All right, so I've been doing a lot of research and learning about Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. I'm extremely intrigued by the psychology ingrained in, in storytelling and, and how certain elements and themes are subconsciously represented in the, in the modern myths and ancient myths that are prevalent in our culture, that there seems to be a common thread, a, an experience that, that happens within all the great tales, everywhere from the Epic of Gilgamesh to Star Wars to Rocky. And the essay I'm about to read was a result of, uh, of my, own, my own pursuits at understanding and attempting to represent the hero's journey. I decided to make a list of things to do after a relationship ends. I am by no means an expert, and any part of this list may be ignored, scrutinized, and promptly discarded. This essay is called The Failed Relationship To-Do List. Step one, feel the feelings. This one is gonna happen whether you like it or not. The feelings are gonna suck. You'll feel rejected and alone. You'll feel a sadness in your stomach that is constantly amplified by the slow expanse of time. Yes, time slows and pain sits. Your body, not just physically but also mentally, is acclimating to a life without the stimulation provided by him or her. The text messages, the calls, the hanging out, it's all over. Biologically, your brain is detoxing from a lack of dopamine. The hit of happiness it has grown accustomed to is no longer being delivered. Emotionally, your heart is grasping to make sense of fate. Intellectually, you're attempting to craft a narrative to explain what went wrong and why you're alone. All of this stuff is happening, and it will continue to happen. So it's very important that you feel the feelings and then... Step two, call your mom. This one is mega important. You gotta call your mom. And if you don't have a mom, call your grandma. If you don't have a grandma, call me and we'll figure out who you should call. For real. Now that the feelings have been felt, it's time to process. It's time to focalize the confusion, the cruel twist of fate. It's time to accept that what is happening is real and that life isn't fair. It's time to experience catharsis from the emotional turmoil you've experienced. It's time to be told that everything is going to be okay. And moms are great at that. So call your mom and then, step three, take a nap. This one is very important. And it's not as easy as it sounds because you're not going to fall fast asleep. And you will most likely have responsibilities that need attending to. So we're going to come back to this. So until then... Proceed to step four, and show the fuck up. You're in the belly of the beast. Painful emotions and sordid memories are attacking you from all angles. The beautiful sunny day is just a blast of UV sadness, a reminder of what could have been. The job you need to go to is a million miles away, and you haven't showered in two days. 
your body looks like it's in the process of eating itself because you've been surviving on a diet of peanut butter and saltine crackers, if you've even eaten at all, and you have to go to work. Work itself is a pressure cooker of meaningless tasks and obligations. If you think time is slow now, wait till you get to work. It's going to be shitty. That's why you need to remember you're a goddamn champion, a hero. You're Frodo trudging towards Mount Doom. You're Katniss Everdeen volunteering for the Hunger Games. You're Princess Leah right after her home planet of Alderaan gets blown up and everyone she's ever known and loved is dead. You're Rocky Balboa training to fight Apollo Creed even though you know you're not going to win. But you'll survive the fight. You'll go 12 rounds because you're a champion and you have to show up. Step 5. Take a nap. Good. You showed up and you're going to keep showing up because remember you're a goddamn champion. And champions need rest. Now is the chance to fast forward some time. Let your brain creep closer to homeostasis, reconfiguring its dopamine levels to adjust to a new reality. When you wake up, there will be no messages or calls from your significant other. You won't wake up excited or hopeful. You won't wake up inspired or motivated. You will not jump out of bed with passion to greet the new day, but that's okay, because you're getting stronger. You're getting better. Your bed is a cocoon that is morphing a mere mortal into a champion. And when the thoughts get too much, when memories overwhelm your sleepless eyes, you'll open them. You'll look at your surroundings and realize, I'm going to be okay. Now, it's time to turn on Netflix. Step 6. Watch a TED Talk. While cocooning, your body, heart, and mind is reforming itself to become a better, stronger version of yourself. In your current reality, everything is gray. You sense no hope, only pain. It feels like it will last forever. You've even begun to believe that no one has experienced the depths of despair quite like you have. But you're wrong. Men and women just like us have experienced and conquered what we now endure. It's important to learn from their experience. For some, it was the loss of a child, the death of a fiance. For others, it was the trauma of war, losing comrades in the heat of battle. There are plenty of talks about heartbreak, but they may be difficult to digest right now, so pick a story that interests you. Pick a TED Talk about aliens, philosophy, or David Blaine. Pick a talk that resonates with your curiosity and snuggle deeper into your cocoon. And when you wake up, Go outside, pick up the phone, and step seven, call your friends. Right now, you need to receive some love. You may feel like they won't understand or you're taking up their time, but the truth is they're part of your team. They want to help. That's why they're your friends. They see you in a way you'll never be able to. We won't be able to explain or make sense of what has happened, but we'll listen. We'll sit with you. And we'll invite you places even though all you want to do is lay around and be sad. So we'll let you lay around and be sad. And we'll stay to remind you that yes, you're a goddamn champion. We'll get through this together. And we'll know exactly what to do. Step 8. Watch a movie. Storytelling teaches us something. It commandeers our consciousness with pure imagination. A world of wonder and possibility a sensory experience of sight, sound, and emotion. 
What a good film does in its finest form is alleviate the self-contained perspective of our individual reality. It opens our mind to a different way of looking at things. It shows us that we're not alone, that all great heroes must confront a challenge, and it's magnified, dramatized, and extreme. It's Full Metal Jacket, exploring the human psychology of boys becoming men and playing soldier. It's Schindler's List, describing one man's journey to make a difference during the gravest of circumstances. It's Sunshine, sending a group of astrophysicists on a mission to reignite the sun and save the planet. It's every protagonist that is drawn to action. They answer the call. They face the darkness, and they learn something. They conquer their fears and their demons to emerge as heroes. And the really, truly great films leave us motivated. They show us that we can always be better, that there's always room to improve. So now we're on to step nine. Go eat something and get a pump in. Now that you're showing up, cocooning and watching movies, it's finally time to eat something. Up until now, you've survived on a diet of saltine crackers, peanut butter, and pizza rolls. Over the last few days, you've eaten several bars of dark chocolate and an, <laughs> and an entire box of Chips Ahoy chewy chocolate chip cookies. Now, you have permission to start moving towards more solid foods, like Chinese takeout or pizza, and begin thinking about exercising. You don't have to do it yet, but you should also start thinking about going to the grocery store. A champion won't be able to evolve while eating a diet of Dunkaroos and pizza dough. And since things are getting easier, since your dopamine levels are acclimating and your mind is being fed with stories of bravery, it's time to start engaging endorphins and building up some serotonin. And that means you need to start getting a pump in on the reg. Throw some shorts on and start running. Lift heavy stuff up and then put it back down. Run for the future and lean into the light. A hero has begun to emerge from her cocoon with a new path to follow, a new life to explore. And now that your diet is getting better, exercise is happening, and you're continuing to show the fuck up, your curiosity will begin to spark. You'll go places you've never been and meet people you'd never have guessed to know. Opportunities and experience will appear on your life's path, and you'll walk through them because you're a champion, and now you've got a mission. Step 10, this is the final step. Do something to make someone's life better. Give something back. Tell us what you've learned. Create something, share something, or help someone. Do something that makes a difference. Do something scary. Be a friend, a mentor, or a master. Take your experience and carry it with you. Affect people positively from the heart. Open up and know that none of us are invincible and every person is facing a battle we know nothing about. And now that we're heroes, the world's going to need us. First off, <laughs> definitely not sad. Definitely not sad. Definitely not sad. <laughs> um, so, I love your list. And I think it's a pretty accurate representation of the things and processes that we go through when relationships end. Although I don't like the fact that it's considered a failed relationship list. I was really thinking about that when you were discussing it. And really, none of the relationships that are no longer present in my life are considered failed if I have taken away something of value out of it. Meaning, like, if I look at it objectively, look at where I went wrong, where I went right, 
step back and can accurately proceed forward, then that relationship is to me a success and has some sort of value. Am I sad about it? Yes. Is it going to leave a uh, impact on my life at some point? Maybe, maybe not, depending on how far down or and how close I was to that person. So I just don't, for me personally, like the perspective of it's failed, right? Like recently I had a relationship that ended uh, and I don't consider it a failure only because the way that I was able to show up in this relationship at this point in my life, at this time in my life, looks a lot different than 10 years ago when I was 24 years old. So in my mind, like it was a success. It didn't work out. We were obviously not compatible and that's completely okay. Like that's going to happen. Like think about how many relationships you've had in 30 years you've been alive and how many people you've met, how many people have come and gone in seasonal, you know, parts of your life, all these things. And like, think about how many relationships you have now. It's a big difference. Hmm. It's a big, big difference. And like, had you not had those relationships that at one point served a purpose and are no longer in your life, I don't think you could be the man that you are today and show up in these relationships that have been, you know, going on some shorter, some longer. So I think it's all like a big mesh, you know, like I need it all. So, so failure, and that's funny. I hadn't looked at it. I had looked at it that way. Like I rationalize and understand that this is part of, you know, the progression of, of whatever it is I'm looking for. The reason I feel like it's a failure is the reason I did at least was because there was something I wanted that didn't happen. So it's like, what is, to me, the thought is, what is a successful relationship and what happens when it no longer works out? There's always, I agree, like there's tons of value and like I wouldn't ch- exchange it for the world and I, I, know I'm, I know I feel like I gained so much through everything. Like there's no, it doesn't feel like I've lost anything, but it does feel as if, you know, I, I was shooting for an experience uh, that just, didn't happen with the person that I wanted it to happen with. But wouldn't that fall more along the lines of like having expectations? Like I'm with this person, they make me feel these things and like I'm expecting this to go somewhere. So maybe you just fell short of the mark that you were expecting. How many times we try to go to the moon, we didn't quite land there. It took all those times to figure out the right trajectory to put a ship on the moon like accurately and safely. Yeah, yeah. It's so new to me. I, you know, I'm 30 years old now. I've never been in, I've never ex- had an intimate relationship with somebody where in the moments that were happening, you know, that they bled in day and day from morning to night, day in and day after this, like almost an infinite moment of this shared chemistry and experience and exchange of energy. I've never felt uh, in 30, like I've been, in my whole life, I've never had been with somebody where it's been like, I want to receive her as much as I want to give. Mm. And so for me, it was a, it was a new type of experience, a, di- a dynamic that I, I just, you know, you hear the songs of love and the novels that get written in and people talk about fate and destiny and true love and all this shit. And like, while I was in it, I thought that's what was happening. So that's why it felt like a failure was because it's like I was experiencing something that which is interesting is like now as I sit here now talking about, you know, talking to talking to women and, and, and engaging like who I am again and getting back to being me and all this stuff. It's like 
I'm looking for that feeling again. Like it was a feeling I had never encountered mm. that I'd like to experience again. And it's not so, and this is the weirdest part thing is it has nothing to do with the person that I was with. Like mm. I don't miss the person, but I miss that feeling. And the, and honestly, honestly, it's a, I don't like that. I don't like the idea that I felt happier because I was with someone that somebody else made me happier to me. That's, um, at the level that it was at in my mind, like the way my brain was firing off during the relationship, it was like, I mean, I was like, I was smitten to the point to where, you know, I don't like the idea of feeling happier because somebody's in my life. I want to be happy whether someone's in my life or not hmm. or content. Fair enough. And, you know, like I really just kind of came to this realization uh, after this relationship that I just gotten out of, of like some of the just garbage that we will tell ourselves and that you were touching on in the article that you were reading, like, you know, a lot of those things are all completely fear-based, like, oh my God, like I'm not good enough. Or like, you know, there's a sense of rejection that comes in, like this sense of like, you know, potential impending loneliness that starts to set in. Cause now you're like, wow, like this person is no longer my life. Like, When's the next wave coming along that I can kind of catch a ride on, you know, like all these things. And like what I, what I, when I stopped and paused and looked at it, like it was garbage because it's never not happened. Like if you look at how many relationships, uh, you know, with women that I've had, it's not a lot, but like another wave comes, I guess is my point. And each one I've learned something from. And now that we're using that wave analogy, I just imagine like when you talk about surfing, like how many variety of waves are, are out there? Some are big, some are small, some are long, some are short, all these different things. And, you know, like these guys go out and they, they catch these waves and they, some are like less than five seconds to 15 seconds and they take something away from every one of them and they put it in their arsenal and they are a better surfer because of it. And so like it just kind of, once I kind of took that realization that like, you know, there will definitely be somebody else like my recovery time, you know, and like speed through that list was a lot faster. I yeah. seemed, it really was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, like I just took a shot of adrenaline and like put the hammer down and like busted through that list. Cause like I did all those things, like called my mom, called my friends, like had like a, like a breakup playlist, you know, that I'm like mm. putting together. Definitely not sad, by the way. Out there. <laughs> Neither of us are sad. We can almost positively guarantee you that we are not sad. Got a pump in, you know, like <laughs> did some retail therapy, you know, like. But what was awesome to me was, you know, I was able to look at how I was showing up in this relationship, like where I could be better. You know, I definitely have nothing but love and respect for the young lady that I was involved with. Uh, and really pulled back. And can, can I interrupt you? Yeah. Let's pretend like they're listening. Yeah. What would you want to say? I would say, you know, I, I hope you enjoy your journey. You know, I can be grateful that the time that we shared together, you helped me see places in myself that I needed to work on and to also see things that like I'm really happy with. It's not always been the case. You know, I've been in some relationships and just felt trapped, you know, like nothing that I can do is going right to like salvage this relationship. 
you know, and I've been in a lot of unhealthy relationships. And I can say that where I'm at in my life, it was a healthy one. It just did not work out. And so, you know, this person made their decision to um, move in a direction that was best for them to figure out who they were. And I remember I heard this and it's always stuck with me. But the two biggest sins of all times are number one, interfering with somebody else's growth and journey. Number two is interfering with your own. So when I really step back and I say that out loud and I put it into context, like, you know, we could have tried to force it and we could have been together, but like she obviously had some work she needed to go and do. And who am I to interfere with that? So selfishly, I would want it to stay together because like this person brings happiness into my life, joy, whatever. But unselfishly, like you need to go get well, like you need to go fix yourself because like I at one point had the opportunity to do that. So I know who I am. I know what I want out of life. And like it just wasn't going to be fair to stop that growth or it would have come on a much smaller like timeline. So, you know, like I can say it was really beneficial for me in the aspect of it. it can I bring something else up? You mentioned that like you're unable to interact with her now. Like you, you want to do the no social media, no nothing. Like Correct. Like what if she wants to reach out to you? I think that would be dependent upon like the timeline that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, would you answer her call? Probably not. Not now. How come? Because then, you know, what's different, right? Like if the reasons that you cited for our split, you know, were X, Y, and Z, well, what have you done to fix X, Y, and Z, you know? And I think sometimes, like sometimes... The writing is already on the wall like it's it's very clear in front of you and sometimes you know because at least for me i don't want to feel like i failed or i've i'm not successful in a relationship right it's a pride thing it's an ego thing for me sometimes that i will see the signs that we are not compatible and that like it should not we should not be here yet i will just stubbornly forge ahead because i don't want to be wrong and feel like a failure and i've learned that like more often than not, if I choose route B in this case, like somebody's going to get hurt and pretty badly, you know, to the point where like any potential relationship in the future, whether it be friendship or whatever, can almost become non-existent. You know, it goes from like a mutual thing to like a, you know, a very unhealthy, like screw you and like screw you and like I'm out of here and you know, all these other things and it was funny you were uh, you were reading your list, and I remember thinking back to uh, this one relationship I was in, and like we had been together for like a you know almost a year. We were like living together, and uh, thinking about the you know all these things, and like right before we broke up, she started working out again. <laughs> like you know, and then like I look looking at it now, I started realizing like, huh. Like she was getting herself ready to get back on the market. Oh. Like she was having to like get herself back into like fight shape, if you will. Because like she, in the back of her mind, knew that we had issues and like it was almost over. And like I just thought it was kind of funny. So rule number 11, <laughs> if she starts working out, it's over with, bro. <laughs> well, by the way, I think, I think uh, now's the time to introduce who, we're, who you are, who we are. Who am I? Who are you? Who am I? The infinite, you know... I can go on for that question for days, but this sitting on my left is Brochachki numero uno, the man himself, David Neasley Nisley. 
Salty Bro Original Crew in LC Life. <laughs> Representing. Talking to the talking to the memories of our past girlfriends. Keeping it real. Definitely not being sad. Definitely not sad. <laughs> Might go get pitted later on. Yeah. Alright, so I appreciate you sitting in and, and listening to it. Um you know, it's 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 by the way, I didn't answer the question for for myself. Though, mm. What would I say if she was listening? Good question. I love you, come back. I love you, come back. Please come back. Uh, um, Sade no, is real. definitely not playing in the background. <laughs> for, for real. Um, I've been working out all the time. You know, I'm actually cooking for myself now. Like, I, I'm... Uh, I'm more in touch with myself. I've been watching some... I'm tired of touching myself. Please come back. Romantic <laughs> comedies are in my repertoire. No, like, uh, no, like, that's the thing is, like, what would I... You know, my whole thing about it is... I never want to disconnect the line of communication after I've I've been with somebody. And to me, there's a level of, I mean, intimacy that's experienced to me is almost sacred in the in the extent that, you know, sacred's too heavy of a word. It's it's just, I, the women that I've been with, like I wanna, I I don't just have sex with people. So, mm. for me, it's kind of like. And also, like, I don't just date people either. Like, I, I'm I'm dating or I'm with somebody because there's that, like you said, which is kind of true. There's something I'm learning, and there's something that I'm that makes me super curious. And then just the rom- the romance and the and the moments of of being together, all those memories, like they every like they always stay with me. And and I, I like to imagine that it would stay for them. Um. So in that sense, it feels like a something I'd never want to lose, you know, like like because one of the best parts about what you were saying, Dave, is like and also kind of the point of the the essay itself is like you're going to be better. You're going to move on and you'll be with someone else. It's going to happen. But that doesn't mean I have to feel or I have to it doesn't mean I can't interact with with the connections that I've made previously. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about this earlier tonight and, you know, it it reminds me of the scene in World War Z where the girl like gets bitten by one of the zombies and like automatically, no questions, Brad Pitt just like reaches in, grabs her knife, boom, walks <laughs> off the limb and like, she's good. Chops it off. She's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. You know, she's she's missing this limb, but, and I think I was talking to you about it. I It's not because I, I have any ill will or malice to them. It's for me, I need to lop that limb off because I need to heal. Like, I don't want to tempt myself by looking in on their life in social media and oh, being yeah. tempted to like peer in because I think for me, that's where like, that's where some of the things it's, you can't move on. Can, You've yes. literally got to chop it off. Yes. I, I mean, I'm not following or you see, that's the thing or like looking at, or even, I, I can't even look at pictures, nothing like all total stimulation's gone. But that's just because it makes it easier to move on. But there's always a time, because this is cyclical, dude. And this is the other thing I wanted to say. It's like, so when we first met, we were getting pumps in on the reg and yes. going to the pool. Yep. And I was struggling with a breakup. And this girl that, that I had had this uh, breakup with, the, the biggest part was like, I believed in my mind I would never be with somebody as attractive as, and as love, lovely and as beautiful as her. Every girl that I saw... I compared to her and and they never caught up matched up and I like to the point to where I'm like not even while I was with her I wasn't attracted to any other women either so I was like man there's never going to be another beautiful girl 
And then when I got through that breakup, another more beautiful girl showed up. And I was like, man, there's never, there's no one beautiful or more pretty than this girl I'm with right now. Like never going to happen. And then of course we break up eventually. And, uh, and now we're up to this, this one now where in my mind, for some reason, I think there's never going to be a beautiful girl, but it always upgrades. Like I said it three times and a new one always appears. Yeah. I've just been kind of thinking about, you know, how many, what I would consider serious relationships I've been in the last, I don't know, four and a half years and kind of what I've taken away from them all. And, you know, each one of those women taught me something very, very different about myself. And more often than not, I feel like when a relationship has run its course, I know more about what I don't want than what I actually want, you know? And sometimes that list kind of flip flops for me. Like sometimes I'll have these like ideals, but it's important for me not to have like this level of expectations on this person that I meet, you know, like, like a checklist. And so I've learned to just like when there's like a new romantic, uh, interest, you know, I'm a little bit more like cautious, you know, with things. And what I've really taken away out of that is, Uh, You know, for me, I never really understood how important like mental stimulation was for me. Like, you know, but I would have never arrived at that destination had I not been engaged with some of the, you know, some of the partners that I have been in the past. Like, what are some of the other what are some of the other things? Because I want to run through it like the three. How many times have you been in love in your life? (sighs) You know, less than 10, more than five, somewhere in that ballpark. Like, act what I mean, like, actual, like... Oxytocin, firing love. off head over heels, you want right. to spend your life with this person. That kind of level, I would say maybe five. Five times? Yeah. So, what would you say... That's a lot of times, dude. <laughs> yeah, but in 18 years... 17 years what do you mean 17 years well like since i really started like the dating career like five times in like 17 years like how old are you 34 and i'm 30 yep i've got three okay so that makes sense so for you got some, by four years yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got two more times to go through this failure relationship to-do list that's right at the most <laughs> so so take me can you take me th- well, let's actually do it this way let's exchange you do the first one, what you learned from, and then I'll do mine. We'll go back and forth until you get through them. Uh, the very first girl? Yeah. Man. What did you learn from that one? Well, I was extremely young, man. I was like 17, and it was like a high school relationship. And, you know, normally I wouldn't count that except for the fact that we dated for like a good solid five years. So, if like from the time I was like 17 to 22 years old, you know, uh, I learned what being insecure and like very young in a relationship can look like. Like I was super insecure, man. Like, you know, I was totally the dude, you know, and and for that age and time period, like it makes sense. But I was totally the dude like, better not be looking at my girlfriend, man. Like (laughs) I'll come over there, bro. (laughs) You know? And like now it's such a thing. Cause I I always use the example of like lions, you know? And like, I feel like this just kind of older, more like, you know, black maned, like gray haired lion who's just kind of like, cool. You know, like if you're looking at my girlfriend, like, you know, or significant other, that's validation that like, she's a beautiful woman. And like, she is indeed beautiful. 
you know, but I don't need to say anything because I'm not threatened by whatever you're doing. You know, she's, she's going to make her own decisions regardless of what I do or say. So, you know, that was one of the things I learned out of that relationship. Um, so yeah, you know, like how to be secure and a little less, uh, possessive, possessive and protective. So my first one, um, I learned that I need to not do drugs. <laughs> That's usually, yeah. Yeah, I learned I definitely definitely shouldn't be doing drugs. And I also learned that... I learned that my, my happiness is not her responsibility. Mm, very big point. Yeah, that's kind of what I learned in that one. Was like, um, I used to feel so shitty, like she wasn't doing as enough for me as I was doing for her and you know not to I mean it was a sign that there was something wrong in the relationship but it's I should have just not been doing drugs (laughs) to be honest (laughs) with you so that was my first one let's go to the second one first one I learned is don't do drugs the second one was kind of an interesting relationship she was a little bit older than me at the time I think I was like man I want to say like 23 like 24 and like she was roughly like late 20s so like she had a good like four i think she was like 29 at the time she was out of school like she was in profession you know she was in a professional career she was like working like she was at this complete other like end of the spectrum that i was at like i didn't really have much to my name like you know, I'm just kind of going to school. I'm like working this like interesting job that was, you know, not bad, but not great. And we had a lot in common, but, you know, I think out of that relationship, like I, I kind of learned how to love again, you know, because in between, you know, three to four years, like the relationships that I had were ex- all of them in that time period were like extremely unhealthy like none of them were like successful and like it really was not something I was interested in so you know I guess that relationship for me was kind of like getting back on the bike you know like I was so afraid of you know intimacy and like long-term commitments and like relationships and like some of those things were just shaped at the fact that like in that three to four year gap like I was watching my parents like divorce like come to a close so like you know that certainly had an impact on how I envisioned like relationships and just kind of, you know, it terrified me, you know, like here were my parents, they've been married for like, you know, 20 years. And now all of a sudden, like it's over with. And like, I had also just left my longest relationship still to this day, my longest relationship. Um, so, you know, this girl at this particular point in my life, you know, I guess was showing me like how to show up and like ride the bike again. Huh? So she basically, taught you how to be be a better you she taught me yeah i mean she was gracious enough to teach me like you know let me make some mistakes that somebody coming from the you know last three to four years that i was in she she was gracious enough to let me make those mistakes because i was still in my mind like young you know like yeah i'm 24 but like probably like emotionally I might have been like 15 you know I don't know how to show up in that area all I know is like the physical aspect of it 
And one thing I can recommend just in general, one thing that has like really served me well was um, the five love languages quiz. <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> For real. For real. I give stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't looked at it, uh, check it out. Eh, you don't got to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's been a useful tool for me because it shows me, you know, like how I express and receive love. And I wouldn't say it's the most accurate, but it gave me like a general guideline, I guess. Like it was new information that I had never heard before. Yeah, yeah. The, you see, I'm not, I'm not, against, it's, it's psychology. It really is. Right. The, the reason that I get so in canuppets about it is because it's like, what, what's your love language? What's your love? La- I feel like it's like. It's something that the minute I tell you what it is, it's like it's and I receive something because of that. It feels false, you know. Like if if your love language is physical touch, so I decide to start physically touching you more. It doesn't feel natural to me, mm. you know. Like I don't want to know that gift giving. You know, I don't want you to know that I like gifts, and then I start getting gifts. It's like that takes away the power of the gift. Yeah, I, I feel like I'll agree to some of that. You know what I mean? Like. I definitely wouldn't take it as like a concrete absolute, you know, but in my experience, I definitely say like it, it kind of opened up my eyes as to like how I receive love. And also when I've, you know, when you know somebody else's, how you can kind of show up at least in those areas, it doesn't make it concrete and absolute, but it's weird. It's a love language, but all the different ones, words of affirmation, giving gifts, physical touch, they all feel good. Quality time, quality time, acts of service. So it's like, and, and I, and I bring it down to the root base. It's like, for me, like the most love I can ever possibly show is to be in your presence. And that doesn't just apply to romantic interests, but friendships and families and, and any person like, any person I spend time with, for me, it's like it really is like super valuable that my time is being shared. Like I really, I really appreciate people that will share their time with me. It's mm-hmm. like so. Then any sort of smooches or, or chocolate dove bars are just bonuses to that. It's like you know, sweet nothings in my ear. My my second time, what I learned from my second time was, man. The second time I fell in love, I learned I learned empathy. Mm. I realized how I realized how shitty I, I I just did not I was not there for her. Like I was not like I did not like what is it? You don't know what you love till it's gone kind of a thing. Yeah. That's like the cliche way of saying that while we were together, I I wasn't very present in the relationship and I wasn't very responsive to what she needed or what she even wanted mm. because I was so consumed with what I wanted. So in that, in that, the second time I fell in love, I, I learned that, um, I learned what, what, what I basically just said about time, how the time people choose to spend with me is saying way more than anything ever will kind of a thing and that it should go vice versa. I also learned, uh, I learned how to be sad and not get fucked up. <laughs> I learned how to write a book. I learned how to get on camera and not be scared. I learned how to speak publicly. I learned how to publish essays. So is it accurate to say that without that relationship, you would not be where you're at today? No, 100%. I mean, I without the relationship from the first one, uh, I would have never... 
I mean, my sobriety was dependent upon addressing the the pain of losing someone I'd loved. Like, I mean, I'm very vocal, like, uh, and you know this about me, Dave, like, I, I've done the 12 steps, I do recovery, I've done the recovery thing. The toughest part for me on the fourth step was literally writing her name down and having to having to see it mm -hmm. and then also look at like this isn't here anymore and my heart is killing me uh, and I don't know how to deal with it because I'm sober for the first time in my life and I'm I'm definitely sad <laughs> <laughs> so so for me it was like you know getting through that without getting fucked up like it was a challenge and this is the weirdest part, you know, like the idea, like if like these women in my life, they're not people, they're ideas. Mm. They really like the person that she was and is, is perfect. But I take that thing and I turn it into this fucking, you know, super fucking giant diamond of awesomeness. That's, that's way better than me. And, yep. and you know, she's always, you know, yep. she doesn't give a shit about me, yep. you know, like, so it's just these ideas. Sometimes I will like, and this goes back to like the, what's interesting to me now thinking about it now is like, you know, I've been in situations in the past where like, especially on social media where that particular person is extremely crafty at like posting like the most strategic stuff. <laughs> so like when I choose to peek in, it's like, oh my God, like I'm over here a mess and like they're out just like living it up like sex in the city just going out ham with her Looking girlfriends great. yeah dude and i'm like this is terrible like i'm yeah. fat and alone and like <laughs> i'm eating you know oreos you know just sleeves at a time like this is terrible you know and in reality like again it's garbage because like that's what they want you to see that's what they want me to think and it's like I oftentimes forget that like I'm the only one experiencing. Well, do you think those that emotions? maybe they? Yeah, you're the only one experiencing these emotions. Do you think that maybe they just don't give a shit? Like people have only so many pieces of level of care, and I've seen people do these posts on social media. They're able to do selfies every other day. It's like they don't even think about it. They're like always just can do it. You know. I gotta say I've gotten pretty good at it too. <laughs> I've gotten good at it too. I you know. One of my biggest problems on social media is I'm I'm scared like I can't do anything unless I have a good reason why. I wish I could be like that. I wish I could just be like, you know, it's, hashtag definitely not sad. <laughs> yeah, one of the worst mistakes I made, you know, I published an essay. Um, I, I've since removed it, but I published an essay right after the breakup. Mm, never and a good idea. Not a fucking good idea, dude. Like even though I even though I, I don't need to. It wasn't fucking right. It was not right. It was a personal thing. Like, the, honestly, what we're doing right now is super personal. Yeah. You know, I don't even know if this is right. It's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, for me, the whole the whole thing about the troubling thing and the conflict that I encountered is that of fate, which is like... Yes, one, you know, girl leads to the next girl leads to the next girl. But like for, you know, even though there's something I wanted to have and continue to have, fate had a different turn for me. Mm. And and so like no matter what, like it's like, guess what? You're going to be feeling some shitty feelings. Like it's happening. Even though you know it's for a good thing, it's it still sucks. And like I, and like I kind of wanted to be able to, you know... Like, there's several ways. Like, you can either escape 
or you can do something positive. You can either hide or you can reframe the narrative to, to, to say, you know, you're recovering now. It's like, you know, so I kind of wanted to like really express that like when you're dealing with this heartache, this heartbreak, yes, eat whatever the fuck you want. Sleep in the cocoon, in the bed, you know, watch as many movies as you want. You should call your friends and call your mom too. Those are always solid things, but like, I think it's okay to hang out there for a little bit and go through those things. But it, if you're like I am, sometimes I can get trapped in that and yeah. get stuck. Like it, it will become so much of a routine that like, you know, like I remember one relationship, I didn't even get out of bed for like six months. Now I was also injured at the time too. So, you know, that coupled with that was like just a, did she hurt you? Uh, no, it wasn't like that. Oh, you mean how so? <laughs> like she broke my back physically no, yeah. No, no. no yeah i didn't get suplexed in a empty parking lot or anything it wasn't like that but you were in the bed for six months basically yeah i actually hurt myself pretty good like i i had really caused myself some physical pain and then coupled that with the emotional state that i was in and like i didn't get out of bed for like six months and i was i was like a ship just lost out at sea with like no lighthouse and like no direction and right, man it was just terrible and that was like my, that would be my third, you know, like this particular relationship was in no way, shape or form, like healthy. Both of us had, you know, some, some outstanding issues that needed to be addressed. And like together, together, we were extremely toxic for each other. Like we seemed to bring out the best and the worst in each other. And it was really, really interesting because like, man, I was like in it, like, you know, like in Vietnam, like in it, like this is just terrible. And like, you know, on every level for me and I'm not giving up, like, we're just going to fight through this <laughs> because, you know, like this idea of who she was, you know, like I kind of have like this checklist of like things that I, I could present to like my family, I guess if that makes sense. Like attractive girl, smart, check, you know, like family you know blah 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 blah. check like da, 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 da. like i had this checklist of things and like man i was like almost relentless to like let it go and it even after we split it took me a long time to like get away from that person um and what i learned out of that was like what i don't want you know like by all means you know we have since spoken now and like everything's all good like we're on we're on a different level and we're both just different places in life. But like at the time, man, like never, you know, like, but what that showed me was like this level of like what I will never accept in a relationship with another person again, because like, I don't mm. ever want to go back to that. Yeah. So, yeah. So the third thing that I learned was I learned that I can, I can feel that, that like intimate love. Like I, ne I never had it happening both ways while it, we, while I was in it. And I also learned that I can be totally myself and I can be, I can be vulnerable, um, uh, until, until, until the breakup happened, like <laughs> until I get my heart, but like, honestly, like that was the thing that a friend of mine who was actually an ex-girlfriend of mine was telling me on the phone was she was saying, it's so good that you realized that this was ending, but you were still able to try and express how you felt to her. Hmm. 
so like near the end there, I was really letting her, like I was really opening up about trying to make sense of why I felt the way I did and why I was, why it scared me. And you know, this, this friend of mine, this, uh, like the girlfriend of mine actually told me like, that's what you want to do. You want to keep doing that. And that's how I realized like it wasn't going to work out between us was I was lost to see trying to make sense of my emotional state. And, and, and I didn't feel a hand of like, let's pull you up here. Like, let's, mm. how can I help you get back up here right. with me? Right, right, right. So it's, you know, I, I learned, you know, I learned that I can be me and, um, you know, just kind of like, what, what do we do now? We just trust it. Right. Mm. You just keep trying. Like you just keep showing up, you know? Um, what about your, what about your, now you're on your fourth, fourth one. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. I learned a lot out of this fourth relationship. Like what I really learned was like how to show up in a relationship and like not just expect somebody to like, you know, for a long time, I, I just expected somebody to like get me and like show up in the ways that I needed for them to show up. And that's not possible. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to happen. Um, I need to be expressive and able to communicate how I need somebody to show up. And, you know, like I think the good thing that I had with this one particular person was we had like a really solid friendship before we started to like date. And for me, that made a huge difference, you know, because like the whole track of like actually getting to know somebody, which I, you know, feel takes probably the first really, in my opinion, just my opinion about the first like year of dating. And then you kind of have like a better idea of who this person is, but you still don't really know them like to the, you know, to the level. How well can you really ever know anyone? Well, I, that's true. People do change, but me personally, three to five years (laughs) is like a long enough timeline to like really in my, to me that, to me that feels like y'all are, y'all are affecting each other's development anyway. So like getting to know, it's almost like you're on this, like I look at it like a, uh, two, two twin rocket ships going up towards outer space. It's like. They're both going on the same trajectory, you know, affecting each other on the path. So it's it's like, you know, how well do you ever really know somebody? Because like nine-year-old Adam somewhere in me, but like when I was sitting with Gracie on the Harley motorcycle at the sock hop, you know, like. <laughs> she, what an interesting word, just sock hop. You know, that's, it's a fun, it's a fun place to go. But <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, you know. Say you say we were to meet someone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You're th- we're in our mid thirties, mm-hmm. and it's like all of a sudden, you know, literally, let's say we live to sixty, half our life's gone. Like, how do you how do you know somebody? It's it's more of like a feeling, isn't it? More of like an intuition or a awareness or a a jive of of frequency and chemistry. I would say it it takes all those things, right? Like, it's not any one particular aspect of it it's a summation of all those parts like you know you have to know how somebody and this is just my experience you know like for me i feel like a year to like two three years three to five years for me is like when you will really 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 know somebody because you will have seen how they handle 
so many different scenarios, right? Like, well, let's take our relationship for an example. Uh, four years, four and a half years. So now you feel like we really know each other? I feel like we've just gotten to re-know each other. Well, I would say like through our, our time as friends, like I've watched you change as you've watched me change, but like I've watched you walk through many different scenarios, you know, from high highs to like low lows. So like, yeah, I would say after like four and a half years, like I know how you're going to go through and handle some things. But I also think that makes me an asset in your life because as, and vice versa, I don't want to make it sound like that, but you know, you're definitely an asset because I can depend on you when I can't really see the truth to like, tell me the truth. And you have only be, and I respect what you say when you say it to me only because like you've earned that trust. Like you've, you know me very well and like, I respect your opinion. So like, you know, if it was somebody that knew me for like six months, I'd be like, no, you know, like you, you definitely hmm. don't. I, I'll, I appreciate what you're saying to me and input, but like, I'm going to value the opinion of somebody who's like watched me walk down all these roads, you know, for the last four years. Hmm. Yeah. I'd say we got lucky. So like in a relational standpoint, you, you think time is all right. So that, that's interesting to me to hear. It's a different way that I've looked at it and it's, it's, I really like it because like, I, I like the idea of just taking time. Like let's take some time. Let's not, because I feel like everything happened so quickly this last time around. I'd much rather just cruise and like cool. do my thing, you know, like just stay balanced, <laughs> you know. Oh, I don't need to be going to the cave or the pool or hiking or to see the stars every fucking day. Like, let, let me just like, I would like to do those things, actually. Please call me. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you so much. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying is like, have some have some balance. Definitely not sad. <laughs> So, you know, I've, I've been there and like was just recently there, like, you know, like kind of from four to five, like there was a big difference. You know, I was just at a different spot in life. And, you know, given what I do for work is oftentimes keeps me away from home for quite some time. And, you know, I, I had to step back and look at what was going on with me and, you know, what my responsibilities and roles as to like how this thing just was, you know, in the state that it was in. And that's exactly it. Like I didn't take it slow, you know, like it wasn't this like, you know, day by day, like, let's just kind of see how this thing goes. Like, man, like we hit the ground running and like I put the hammer down and like, you know, it had, it was like just... I mean, just like talking all the oh, time, God, it was just insane. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what I learned. How do you stop that though? Uh, you know, I think, I think from my experience, it is really easy to get swept up in like the newness and the excitement of something new. Like, think about it this way, right? Like mm -hmm. think about you live in New York city when gold is discovered, uh -huh. the idea that gold represented like, and you know, the fortune and like the excitement that like came with that dude, people were packing their whole life up, risking like sickness and death to get out there to discover this gold. And like, you know, I guess my point being behind that statement is like, man, like when that new, like 
prospective like nugget just comes out and you're just like so excited and you're just gonna like you're curious about everything yeah you're like digging and mining and you're like trying to get through all this stuff yeah and then all of a sudden you're like oh well like i had something and i just crushed it and like now it's nothing wow so this is this is one of the things i love stoic philosophy the idea being that the only thing that lasts forever is our perspective and like this moment that we're in the people that enter it they're gonna leave for sure and so i forgot i forgot i fucking forgot that and like i'm usually so good at that like knowing that like man i can't really you know like i know i need people but i also know that i need to i really need to be able to to recognize the fact that that at the end of the day i'm absolutely intrinsically alone and and i've got to be okay with that and like if i want success i've got to be the one to do it if i want to make something for myself or for people around me i've got to show up and do it and if I want to be happy, I've got to do it for myself because I I can't expect someone to show up and do it for me. So I forgot the fact that like I, I allowed myself to believe that there was truth and love was real. Mm. Like I really allowed myself to believe that. And I and I did not give myself the other side of the coin, which is, you know, it's not for me. It's like um, it's like recognizing that, you know whoever I know could die or leave or be gone at any moment's notice. And I have to be okay with that. They could stop loving me. I have to be okay with that. And I have to remember that it might probably will happen because it reshaped my mind to accept the worst outcome. And then also stay on my side of the, on the, of the street where it's like, what are you, what is your thing? Get back to your thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, like I said, man, it's it just happens and it's easy to kind of get excited and, you know, just, you know, boom, 100 meter sprint, you know, and like out the gate. I feel like we're going to do that again, dude. I'm not saying I'm <laughs> like not. Everything. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not. I like, feel like it's like this is what's one of the things, all the rationalizing and trying to make sense of how to do what to do next. It's like, who the fuck knows? Like, I really don't fucking know. Maybe I'm a sprinter. Maybe I'm just a sprinter. You know, <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're here to do. Maybe I'm the guy that like we date and like you end up meeting the man of your dreams afterwards. Maybe that's just my role. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't really believe that, but man. I. You know what's weird to me? Um, that somebody wouldn't want to date me. <laughs> <laughs> Get pumps in. I'm a beefcake. Yeah. I talk on radio, internet shows. You know, like <laughs> no, but for real, let's. So I think we did it, dude. What do you do? What do we want to close with? I mean, I would close with the fact that like, no matter what happens, like, man, like there's another wave coming. Like I'm not destined to be like alone, you know, for these like insane amount of times. Like I'm not going to be alone in my life forever. And I forget that, you know, and oftentimes too, I feel like when I get to those spots after a breakup, you know, where like I'm feeling those things, like it's imperative for me to step back, you know, figure out where I'm going, who do I want to be and like start taking action to move towards that, you know, like redefine my purpose, like lean on my friends, you know, go out, sing karaoke, go to music festivals, hang out, Mm. you know, actually live my life, man. And like, you know, help to reshape and redefine like this man that I want to be so that I can show up in the future uh, for any potential number six out there. Like, 
Yeah. You know, or maybe even seven, eight, nine. And I think the thing about that for me is like, I have to be comfortable being alone so that I can take the time to be meticulous to like shape that. It reminds me of like, uh, in Shawshank Redemption, when he gets that rock hammer and they keep asking him like why he wants it. And he's just like taking his time to like shape these, you know, pieces and like dig his way out of this spot. And like, that's, that's kind of how I feel like with where I'm at right now. Like, I have clear, concise goals, directions, and like places that I want to be. Like I'm definitely of the understanding that like I'm not going to be alone, but I do need to like pause and help myself be a better man. Like when I show up in this next relationship, but not just you know intimate all of my relationships. You know what I mean? Because like who I am is one in one is certainly who I'm going to be in the others, and like I want to make sure that I am who I am in all relationships. Mm. Mm. Mine's mine's very similar. I I the right the it always seems that the right person shows up when I'm pursuing and trying to be like my most authentic self. Right. When I'm risking myself for things that matter to me regularly, when I'm out really living and and testing the the expectations of of other people or or institutions or ideologies when i'm really pushing the envelope on my own creative explorations and sharing like the real raw parts of myself when i'm speaking in front of people and i'm really going after the things in my life that that allow me to feel fully alive like that's when the right person always seems to show up so like you it's like i gotta i gotta move towards the things that matter to me my goals my aspirations my ambitions and trust that and and i and i believe this i kind of believe that like we have an inner calling and if 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 courage can be cultivated to pursue it everything else will fall into place i would agree with you on that like i think for me in that aspect like i am of the understanding and like just where i sit as of today like i don't want to get on these like social dating websites not that there's anything wrong with them like i just don't want to get down that i just don't want to get down on that rabbit hole because it's like for me, I don't believe that, you know, I will be able to become who I'm supposed to become in this like, you know, shiny new object of like hot or not, you know, and like, I'm going to miss out on this opportune time to like really focus in on like me and like, who do I want to be? And like, I don't know, man, like I'm just a hopeless romantic in the sense of like, I'll just be somewhere and like, I'm going to catch eyes with this chick. And like, she's going to know that like, I'm comfortable 100% with like who I am. And like, that will be the attractant. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, and the, and the other, that's I, I chime in on that to say, I've never really chosen a girl, dude. Like they choose me. I have no choice in in this in matter. I'm powerless over the over that. Like, girls are gonna be the ones that choose. I never fucking choose. Well, it works that way in nature, right? Like you think about it. Like we strut our stuff. Well, just we peacock. Right. We show up. We do our thing. Right. Like you think about, like, a pack of lions. Right. Like they all want to mate with like the biggest, broadest like dude, because he's just so comfortable with himself as like the alpha lion. Like he understands and is fully aware of exactly who he is. Mm. You know, he's an alpha. And these females are like checking this like beta lion out, you know, kind of scared, timid, like not really challenging for anything. And there's like, nah, not interested. (laughs) And like, are we really any different? Like. I can tell you that like at the times where I've, you know, been found attractive by somebody and like we hit it off and like that relationship, like I was very much in like an alpha phase, 
you know, not in the others. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I have that like idea of like just that hopeless romantic idea of like, you know, one day I'll like walk into a room and I'll just be like, you know, so secure and it's just going to be like, boom, like I need to talk to that person. Well, you've never had that experience? Yeah, a handful of times, but man, I am like terrible. Like I get not subconscious. So, well, I get like, I have a fear of like, you know, you know, this, this, I'm going to be rejected. I think as most people do. And yeah. So sometimes I just don't do anything. I kind of like, I don't take the direct approach. I take like some other tactics and kind of like make myself be seen and like, you know, do some other things, but man. All right. So let's close this with a challenge, dude. That's a great challenge because I've got the same, uh, uh, fear of rejection. Like that's, and I put up a shield and the way I do it, bro, is like, I'll go up to them to an attractive girl who I want to get like her number from or something. And like, I'll start to explain how interested I am in the dynamics of human psychology. (laughs) I just had a question for you. I want to ask this before you, before you get into that. My shield, my tactics is always like separating it as saying, let me get your number for the, this idea to talk about rather than saying, I'm curious about you. So like the challenge I want to present to us is, is like literally, uh, this sounds really lame right now. I don't want to give us a challenge about talking to attractive women. I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm definitely not sad. <laughs> I'm not sad. I'm not scared. And I don't even want to right now, goddammit. <laughs> because I know you're going to call me, and I'm here. I'm waiting for you. I'm listening. Definitely not I, sad. I'm not sad, and I promise I've changed. <laughs> All right, say what you wanted to say. I was just about to say, what is the like most awkward uh, like icebreaker that you've ever said? You know, like where you're just like, did I really just say that to this person? <sighs> Do you want to know mine? Is that what you're asking? Sure. Do you have one? I have one. I used to have this thing where I would ask girls like how adventurous they were. <laughs> like one to ten, how adventurous you were. And, and then strikeouts. Usually. <laughs> it opened the door enough for it to get closed. I can say that. Yeah, I, I just won't go talk to someone unless I'm curious about them. And uh, and so then I'll. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I do, to be honest with you. That's why I, when I started to come up with the challenge, I was like, man, I really just don't give a shit. Like, I don't really, I really don't want to try to make anything happen in my life. Like, no. I really just want to just be me, just do me, and just naturally flow. Yeah, I think that's, I'm glad you didn't issue that challenge just because I probably would have not accepted it. Like, I just understand that the space that I'm in right now with the timeline of like how things went out, like I am really in an exploratory phase of like, you know, will I talk to new women? You know, absolutely. Like not in any other way except for like just going out and having fun, um, you know, getting coffee and like helping to see if these women can like challenge me enough to like, be a better man, I guess. That's kind of what I look for is a woman who can stand there is also so secure in who she is, where she's going and what she's looking for and can challenge within me the idea that like you can grow in these areas and like I'm going to push you to do it. Mm, so you want someone on your squad who's also hot as shit and down to down to go to the cave and and go look at the stars and Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, 
physical attraction goes without saying, right? Like, but it's there's it's in tandem. It's like emotional, it's mental, and it's physical. There's like three things happening. Like you can't just be physically attracted. Like I can't just like notice that there's an aesthetically pleasing female, and yet see, the way she holds herself is kind of arrogant. I'm just like, man, I'm not attracted to her. Fair enough. You know? I mean, yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't care how great your duck face looks. Oh God. It's I mean it's not gonna do anything. But I think too, kind of going back to the time frame thing, like, like being with somebody on a long enough timeline to see how they show up also and like challenge you. Like I've run into that, you know what I mean? Like where I've gotten bored in relationships only because like I felt like this person was not stimulating and challenging me like mentally. Mm. Like I want to have, I want to have discussions with somebody that help reveal things about myself that I did not know or would not know had we not engaged in this conversation. Tap parts of yourself you weren't able to see. Yes. That... And also, and also, like, be excited for your own potential and your success. Yes. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's, we're at, we're, let's, I want to wrap this up because I, I want us to listen back to it because it has to be edited. Fair enough. Um, what do we want to say uh, to our future selves? Because you know we're going to be the only ones listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. It will be, be published. My Uncle Dave listens to every episode. So Hi, Uncle Dave. Hey, Uncle Dave. To my future self, I would say, man, take your time, man. There's some really sweet waves out there just waiting on you to, to catch them. <laughs> Don't just, live too fast. Just be patient. Troubles will come. Yeah. And they will pass. Old simple man. Yeah, you said take your time. I thought you were going to go into it. I... I did it for you. Don't you worry. You did. <laughs> you did. So what do I want to say to my future self? Take your time. What was the next line? Don't live too fast. Troubles will come. They will pass. You'll find a woman. You'll find love. Mama told.